as of the 24th of July, only 12.4% of the population is vaccinated. We are currently ranked last in the OECD. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I'm not sure what the dynamics are that uh, would cause a country to be short on vaccinations. I don't know if it's a supply chain type of deal. I don't know if it's a sort of investment in science. I don't I don't know why it is that Australia is low on vaccines. Do you know why? Can you fill me in? Funny you should ask that, Chris. Ariel, and you're listening to Never Have I Ever, a podcast about experiences I never had. For those who are new, I am documenting my journey to getting the COVID-19 vaccine and investigating the slow vaccine rollout in Australia. And this episode is part two. This week, I'm here to tell you that Never Have I Ever questioned the vaccine rollout. So the goal of this episode is to answer this basic question. How bad was the Australian vaccine rollout? And how did it affect the Delta variant outbreak in New South Wales? To which as I'm editing this episode, recorded more than 800 local cases. To put that into perspective, the second Victorian lockdown back in July of 2020 only reached 700. We literally beat Victoria. As I'm researching this, I think there are three main factors at play here that cause this mess. Mixed messaging, hesitancy, and responsibility. And no, I am not blaming the government on this one. Well, I am, but it's not just them. It's also us, the general public. We too are the blame for this. Heck, I'm even blaming myself because I too was also hesitant to get vaccinated. Remember that rumor that I mentioned back in part one? And there was this really, really odd rumor about America not accepting visitors who were vaccinated with AstraZeneca to enter the country. I don't know if that's true or not. According to my dad, who works in the health industry, he cleared it up by saying that America just doesn't recognize AstraZeneca as an effective vaccine. Like how here in Oz, we didn't approve Sinovac or Johnson & Johnson. However, one quick Google search And I still worry about how each country defines being vaccinated. But that's just me. And I know there are many other people out there, especially young people, who are hesitant to get the jab. So where did all this come from? How did we become so afraid or hesitated to get vaccinated? And how did all of that contribute to the vaccine rollout here in the country? Well, we need to go back when the rollout first began. But as is the case with the vaccine and the many other challenges that we face, we've got to get that balance right and we will implement the vaccine here in Australia according to Australian needs and Australian conditions and the challenges and opportunities we have here. Our COVID-19 situation at the moment I would describe as very stable. But that said, as we move into the vaccine period, our first priority is that it be safe. It must be safe for Australians and that's what they would expect of us. Uh, The vaccine strategy is now in its advanced stage of preparation and that will further be considered by the cabinet, the federal cabinet, 
and we are working closely with the states and territories and the rollout plans that, that stem from that strategy. Back in January of 2021, Prime Minister Scott Morrison announced his plan to get everyone vaccinated. Their plan was to start off with those who are the most vulnerable, so elderly and frontliners, then eventually slowly roll it out to every other age group. The vaccines that the government bought at the time were AstraZeneca and was showing positive results in the UK where it was being live tested. But then came March, and the Italian Prime Minister blocked the shipment of AstraZeneca vaccines to Australia. So we're gonna go back to March, that was a while back. At the beginning of March, that decision was made. At the time, the Italian Premier was Giuseppe Conte, and he tried to stop and was successful in stopping that shipment because of the urgency in Italy to get as many people vaccinated as possible. This is Magica Forsati, executive producer for SBS Italy. She sits down with me as we recall what happened during the shipment block announcement. I was kind of surprised to see that the Australian government was actually quite cool in its response. That decision affected 250,000 doses of the vaccine that were produced in an AstraZeneca facility in Italy. And at the time, I think even the Australian public was quite um, easily convinced by the fact that Italy was in such a difficult situation compared to Australia, that you know it was understandable why they were taking this decision. Uh, I remember we didn't really receive any negative comments about that, even on our social media. We're kind of ready for it, uh, but I didn't see many people reacting strongly or very negatively. I guess the situation was very different then. I wonder what would have happened if that had happened now. And you know what? She's not wrong. Australia was doing so well with the Alpha variant to the point where we're literally showing it off to the world. Heck, we were flexing towards all of Europe when we showcased Montaigne's performance of Technicolor in a crowded stadium during Mardi Gras. Singing her song Technicolor, Montaigne. Was distracted suddenly by the full audience. ONG, I miss it. Australia uses Eurovision as an opportunity to flex the fact that they can have a full stadiums and not us. OMG, look at Australia, where they can sit together in an arena biggest flex of 2021. Did Australia avoid the whole proper music video to flex on their full stadium? It's not just Eurovision, it's also happening in TikTok where we constantly post us at the Sydney Royal Easter Show, an event with a max capacity of 60,000. Even our Prime Minister is saying that it's not a race and that we're doing fine. It's not a competition, it's not a race, you got to get it right and it's got to be safe. It's not a race, it's not a competition. One of the reasons, Minister, they're saying, uh, wait, is because you and the Prime Minister told them that. You said there's no rush for weeks and weeks and weeks. You said That's there's false. no rush. We are literally showing off across the globe that we are doing so well as a country that we pretty much engraved this idea in our heads that there is no rush to get vaccinated. But this idea of us doing so well pretty much affected how fast our vaccines are being distributed and probably one of the reasons why this rollout is so slow. To give you a grasp 
on how bad our vaccine rollout was. I spoke with Craig. He's a carer and a full-time YouTuber who lives in regional Victoria, and he recounts his vaccination experiences. So I decided to weigh up the, the pros and the cons. If I'm going out and about a lot to do all these carers work, I don't want to be bringing back something that might affect my father you know, physically and end up in hospital even worse. The pros massively outweighed the cons for me. So I decided to go and have the vaccine. Now, it was very easy up here. We have a vaccine hub, which wasn't being utilized very well. A lot of people out here were saying, yeah, we'll just twiddle our thumbs. We don't need to really worry. COVID's in Melbourne, it's way away from us. The day that we went up to get our vaccine in April, we walked up, we walked in, there was nobody in line. There was two ladies sitting there and they were doing nothing. So they both booked us in and, and, and 10 minutes later, I had a patch on my arm and I had a sore shoulder for a week. Wait, so first of all, you said that when you were going to get your jab, there's barely anyone there? No, everybody was sitting around doing nothing. Fast forward to mid-June of 2021. The Delta variant outbreak is slowly spreading from Bondi to the eastern suburbs to the CBD and eventually Western Sydney and the other states in the East Coast. Good evening. A police investigation is underway tonight to uncover why an unvaccinated driver was ferrying international flight crew from Sydney Airport and to urgently plug holes in the quarantine system. The health experts are questioning whether Sydney's lockdown will extend beyond two weeks, arguing the New South Wales government waited days too long to take decisive action. Thousands of people are facing uncertainty and chaos after Queensland's border closure with New South Wales, and that started at 1am this morning. To understand how bad this outbreak is, I spoke with an advisor for the World Health Organization and epidemiologist Mary Louise McLaws as she describes how the Delta variant spreads. So it is described by the World Health Organization as the most fast and stable variant that we've seen to date. It's 60% more infectious than alpha and it's got a higher secondary transmission rate. In other words, if you've got somebody in a household with Delta, you can be pretty sure that you're going to infect potentially the whole household. In the UK, they had at the beginning of the year um, Alpha, and in April, about 61% of all sequence samples were uh, Delta, and then by June, over 80% were Delta. And of course now, mostly all are Delta. So it only took a few months, uh, half the time, for all of England to become dominated by Delta. So I hope that gives you an idea. Mary Louise also adds that she isn't pleased on how the vaccine rollout is handled. Disappointing and also ageist. And the young have represented 40 odd percent of all cases prior to Delta because they uh, they have multiple jobs to just to make ends meet. They often live in shared accommodation with other friends of the same age and they socialize and they can hold down, as I said, multiple jobs. So their uh, social network is enormously high compared to somebody 60 years and over. So when the government developed the phase rollout, it was a compassionate rollout plan and that was based around the WHO COVAX facility framework 
And so therefore you had to make sure that those that were at the front line, those who were vulnerable were looked after. However, the elderly were looked after at the, at the risk of the young. So with Delta, the young now represent about 49% of all cases. Let's round it up to 50%. If we don't vaccinate the young faster, then anyone that hasn't had that second dose will get COVID. Delta is a disease of the unvaccinated or the elderly where their immune response drops, even with a vaccine. But to protect them, you actually ring fence them by protecting the young, but they haven't been protected. So I have been not happy with the design of the rollout. You still, if you go onto the web to try to book um, vaccine and AstraZeneca, you'll be very fortunate to be able to find an appointment because it's nearly impossible. Particularly if you live outside of Sydney in regional areas or even in Melbourne, because I tried to pretend I was in Melbourne or I was in Sydney and I, or I was in a regional area of New South Wales and I found it very difficult to find an appointment. By this point, the New South Wales government is encouraging people to get vaccinated, up to the point where New South Wales Premier Gladys Berejiklian wants New South Wales to get first priority to get the Pfizer vaccines when it arrives to the country. Prime Minister, what, was, what position did you take on New South Wales' request for extra Pfizer doses? Do we understand from your comments there that New South Wales won't be getting extra Pfizer doses in the immediate future? Well, we've already given New South Wales an additional 150,000 doses. That was in immediate response to the press that the Premier made of me on the 7th of July. And they have been provided along with an additional 150,000 AstraZeneca doses and more doses uh, as, as they're available will be provided to New South Wales. And, uh, and we'll, we'll work with them on that. So no, your assumption wouldn't be correct. The country is slowly realizing how important these vaccines are, which is great. We need to get vaccinated. But there are a few problems. Number one, the COVID vaccines were only eligible for those over 40 at the time, meaning young people couldn't get vaccinated. And number two, the fear and risk of blood clots as the health advice changed again to allow those under 40 to get AstraZeneca. According to doctors that I've spoke to, young people have a higher chance of getting blood clots. I speak to my boyfriend David, who lives in Victoria. He tells me that he doesn't want to get vaccinated with AstraZeneca because of his health condition. And even if he wants to, he can't. It's not that I don't want to, it's uh, more that I, I have underlying medical issues that are preventing me from getting the one that was that was currently available to me. Even then, I was in the because I was in the 26-year-old age bracket. Uh, I wasn't able to get it anyway. I wasn't el eligible. So, what are your thoughts on the vaccine rollout in Australia? Am I allowed to swear? <laughs> Can I swear? <laughs> it was woefully inadequate. The there weren't enough of the safe vaccine that we now have more of. It was slow. There wasn't really any incentive to get it. It wasn't even available to us, so there wasn't any chance for us to get that barrier, you know? It's like walking into the war without any body armor on. Outside of recording, David tells me how he struggled to book for Pfizer and tried to get medical exemption. Luckily, he's going to get vaccinated with Pfizer this September through the government rollout as he couldn't get the exemption on time. 
When I announced that I was working on producing this podcast, I got an anonymous tip-off from someone who used to work in the vaccination hubs. They didn't give me too much detail, but this is what they told me. I'll be honest, I actually worked fairly high up on the vaccination program. I was at the setup in a few of the vaccination centers. I have recently left my role in part due to the handling of the vaccination program. I am unsure of the legal repercussions of speaking more about my experience. Where did it all go wrong? That is the question in everyone's minds. We could blame the government for not reacting quickly, or the public for not following COVID rules. I spoke with Linda Mortum, presenter for PM for ABC Radio, and Leonardo Paglisi, an independent Australian journalist for Six News, to help me get a clear picture on why people are mad, frustrated, and feeling all kinds of negative emotions when it came to the vaccine rollout. Well, if you have a look at the international headlines about Australia right now, there's a theme that's emerged, which is Australia did so well at the start of the pandemic. Why are they doing so poorly with the vaccine rollout? Clearly, there have been failures with it, including, you know, the lack of Pfizer's purportedly not being accepted in mid last year. Obviously, you can argue that it is up to the states to figure out what the who the vaccines are being given to. But at the same time, the Prime Minister is, you know, the head of the country. So a lot of the responsibility is on him. And now we're hearing that New South Wales Premier Gladys Berejiklian, she's wanting states to give up their doses to prioritise Sydney. Well, you know, according to, you know, a few radio clips, she might have not done the same if it came to Victoria. So it's obviously a tough challenge. We all want to get vaccinated, but in terms of the leadership, it has been a lot of mixed messages and the debacle around AstraZeneca has really not helped. So I think everybody has noticed that we're not doing well. We are way behind. And the principal issue appears to have been that the federal government was too slow to decide to purchase enough vaccines for Australia. They seem to have held off because the vaccines weren't fully approved, were still undergoing testing at the time, but many other countries decided to purchase significant amounts of vaccines at that time. I think the, sh the long and the short of it is Australia has been let down uh, in the vaccine purchase and now we're paying the price as we see with um, the Delta outbreak, particularly in New South Wales, but elsewhere as well. Do you think that misinformation and mixed messaging might have caused some sort of delay as well in regards to our vaccine rollout? Well, that's certainly true. I mean, when you don't have the vaccines in the first place, in the case of Pfizer and Moderna, then you're already up against it. But the contradictory situation for us is that Australia is making AstraZeneca vaccines onshore and there are lots of them to go around. But as you say, people have been questioning whether that's a wise vaccine to get. And now all of the political and health messaging is aimed at trying desperately to get people to take AstraZeneca. Yeah, obviously misinformation is going to be a huge uh, factor to that, you know, uh, on Twitter, for example, it has just been rampant. You've got the people calling the Prime Minister Clot Morrison. Now, whether you like the Prime Minister or not, he can't control AstraZeneca vaccines. And that seems to also be promoting the apparent danger of uh, AstraZeneca killing you. Again, 
the chances are so incredibly slim. So misinformation, I mean, that's going to be a huge factor. Governments um, can roll out as many campaigns as they like, but people who are staunch on this issue, especially in this day and age, they will not change their minds whether you like it or not. Now, obviously, you know, there, there are health considerations around the particular blood clots that AstraZeneca causes, but it just does seem extraordinary that the idea that a sort of a one in a million blood clot um, chance from having an AstraZeneca jab uh, somehow managed to gain the headline in people's minds. And obviously, as you say, I think there is, a, there is that parallel problem of misinformation on the internet. And it's clear to me that people are reading that sort of stuff and that has seeped into the conversation globally via the internet. Yeah, I mean, we are reaping a bit of a, a whirlwind, aren't we? A lack of supply of the best vaccines, as people, you know, as people view them, and poor messaging and the information pandemic at the same time as the health pandemic. And that's left us very, very vulnerable. But let's go to COVID now, and Premier Gladys Berejiklian has issued the state an ultimatum. Make August the month where we break vaccination records to end lockdown once and for all. By late July, Gladys Berejiklian wants August to be the month of vaccinations and made AstraZeneca available for those 16 and over. When that news broke, I reflected on what everyone has said to me when I was doing this project, whether getting AZ is worth it or not. I was afraid of blood clots and I want to travel to other countries. But I can't be selfish. Many people are trying to fix the narrative and reassure people that AstraZeneca is safe. And I miss hanging out with my friends and being with my boyfriend. Yes, the rollout is bad and I will admit, I was hesitant. The rumors and mixed messaging wasn't good and I also thought things were fine. We can't change the past. We can only look forward to the future. One of my lecturers recommended me to read this book called Vaxxers, the inside story of the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine and the race against the virus by Sarah Gilbert. And there was an excerpt in the book that reads, it was a race against the devastating virus that took millions of lives, ruined livelihoods, emptied schools, kept us apart from people we loved and closed down entire societies. It was a race that in some ways we already lost. It was a race we are still running. I look back on what my life was like in 2020 if the pandemic didn't hit. And the first thing that popped into my head was the missed opportunity of my boyfriend meeting my grandma for the first time as she had plans to visit Australia. My family had massive Zoom calls, all excited and curious to see what my boyfriend is like because I live in a multicultural society and all my relatives are just a plane ride away. And at the same time, I don't even know when I'll see my grandma again as she's going through so much that I don't want my next meeting to be during her funeral. If I still want to have a fulfilling experience of being in my early 20s and still catch up with family, I need to get vaccinated. Heck, this damn country needs to get vaccinated so we can open up our borders. I want to leave this damn island just so I can go to an archipelago. So I talked to my dad about it weighed the pros and the cons, and he did some calls. We managed to reschedule my booking from Pfizer in October to August 12 of 2021. 
the day I get vaccinated with AstraZeneca. Next week on Never Have I Ever. Are you okay? This is recording. Hindi pa naman tayo pupunta to, Aga po. Yeah. Bibili pa po. I finally get vaccinated, but also get some last-minute advice from some friends. I feel like if I, a lot of us got the vaccine earlier, we would have had less of a lockdown because there would be less cases. It was actually kind of a bit of an ordeal because there was a huge line. And even though I booked an appointment, and you have to book an appointment at this hospital, it's St. George Hospital, but I think there's just so many people getting it. And even when you have an appointment, you're still lining up. So I wasn't, I was lining up for about probably an hour and 20 minutes or something. I would say that a lot of the voters live in this village, so I guess, and it's election season next year. So I guess he's doing it as a motive, as you can say. And I think also that's why a lot of the Philippines wants to vaccinate as much people as possible because next year is an election year. I also talked to Brooklyn Ross from KISS FM and asked about Get Vax Baby and his mission to clear up some misinformation. Kyle afterwards was like, I could have got paid for that. What, I, I would have got paid if I knew that was an option, but definitely not. I mean, none of us got paid. The only motivation any of us had, Kyle or myself, is just that we want to end lockdown sooner. And also, we conclude this series with a final message from everyone who were involved. My name is Ariel, and this has been part two of a multi-part case study for Never Have I Ever. You can follow us on social media at NHIE underscore pod on Twitter and Instagram and NHIE pod on Facebook to view updates and news. Also while waiting, feel free to listen to an earlier episode of Never Have I Ever or my other podcast Casual Nerds with Matt over on YouTube, Spotify and other podcasting platforms. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you guys next time. Thank you.